Yo, yo, E, what's up, man? Uh, we kind of got to do this podcast. People been people been talking about it. What's up, man? I haven't seen the emails. What are they talking about? Uh, they're, they're saying that they want another Tropical Talk radio. Shit, man, I've been busy doing business on the reg over here. Do you think you can uh, have a cup of coffee or something and just, I don't know, we could just get this thing done? Yeah, boy, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, buddy, you've downloaded Tropical Talk radio where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, travel, and lifestyle. If you're interested in more about this program, check out tropicalmba.com. And if you sign up for our mailing list, I will personally send you 50 free podcast episodes that take you along on our journey and expose the insider story on how we started a million-dollar, honest-to-goodness product business while we traveled the globe. Yeah, buddy, here we are in Thailand. It's uh, tropical, as the title would suggest. It's informal, we'll swear, and uh, we're going to talk about a little biz-nass today. But first, let's talk about the news. Let's talk about this program in particular, because the design of this program, Ian, you were saying there's no structure. There's no structure. But there's a hidden structure. There's and a hidden structure. It's this. I didn't think we were going to tell people about the hidden structure. We're going to tell. It's not going to be hidden anymore. We'll have to come up with a new one. Here it is. Friday afternoons at 5 p.m., this show gets published. Holding our feet to the fire. That's right. A couple weeks back, I waxed on about how I'd start doing this, and I didn't think ahead. Right, because what ended up happening was, it I was publishing it myself because the rest of our team was maxed out. Right, and that like wiped my Fridays, um, right. because this is productive time it takes to put up a podcast, maybe three hours or something like that, and it was too much of a commitment. I bit off more than I could chew. So Essentially, also what we did uh, the other day was we laid out our plan for 2013, and one of our objectives. I shouldn't say objectives. One of our um, in stone plans is to do this podcast once a week. That's right. So what we ended up doing was we hired somebody named Taylor. Taylor, if you're listening to this, which you are, you're screwed, buddy. Every Friday afternoon, I want it wiped. You're doing Tropical Talk Radio. You're helping us. He's doing a great thing because he's helping us to deliver the message to the people who want to hear it at the time that they need to hear it most. You know why? Because Friday afternoon is the time when there's a lot of pressure in your life as an entrepreneur, as an employee. Yep. Because it's the time when the hustlers come out. It's time when you got to resist going to Saturday college football games. That's right. It's like a stage change. All the normals walk off the stage and all the entrepreneurs are left waiting to crush. We used to be really excited about Fridays. I remember that when we were first starting our business. It was like, all right, we got two solid days where we're not at the office and we get to work on this business. It was a really exciting time. Also a really lonely time because most of the people on Friday, they start celebrating. Uh, we didn't get to celebrate. Yeah, and, and Derek Sivers was saying at our event the other day, he's like, what the hell are they celebrating? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> We've been talking about that for a long time, too. You like drive around North America and all these people are celebrating. It's true. What are what are you guys celebrating? Right. So, <clears throat> so here's the idea. This goes out. We could probably get more listeners if we put it out Tuesday morning, for example, which is a great time to publish content on the web. But we've got a little bit of latitude. Because we've been we've been around the block a couple times, we get the other podcast going out Thursday mornings. So this is going to go out the time where we feel like it's needed the most. So Friday afternoon, uh, Asia time, uh, get your inspiration, get your happy hour fix from the guys at the Tropical Talk Radio. One of our goals in That's life, a third person reference to myself, is uh, to solve entrepreneurial loneliness. So here we are on Friday. Don't feel so alone, Ian and I are in your earbuds. Okay, first off, how do you make the decision to hire somebody? Because this is an interesting thing. Why do we bring Taylor on? I ask myself these three questions. Number one, does the task make more money than it costs me to pay somebody else to do it? And this question gets 
I mean, it's a simple one, but it's it gets more critical as your business gets larger. I mean, essentially, as entrepreneurs, what we do is we continually fire ourselves. Right. And so I was spending three hours every Friday afternoon editing this podcast, and I had to ask myself, why am I doing this? Is this making me money? Yeah, a big section in my talk at uh, DCBKK was about hiring. And uh, I talked a lot about this. And so one of the things um, that I look for when I hire somebody, and this was true with the podcast too, is we always hire somebody that's better than ourselves. So you don't want to hire you, you want to hire better you. And I remember when uh, we first started thinking about hiring someone for the, for the podcast, even us, even we're like, oh, nobody can do this editing as good as we can. Yeah. And that's it's totally false. And that's false most of the time. Yeah. The and only it was one actually thing, me who thought nobody could do it. So you're being very nice yeah. right there. The only one thing that uh, you can't do a lot of times in your business is, or the only thing you should do, I should say, is be the entrepreneur because that's what nobody else in your business can do. Yeah. And, and so what I did was I, I proved the market. You know, I proved the cash flow, as we say, right. by actually doing the podcast, looking at the numbers, by the number of people listening and engaging with the program. Thousands of people are listening to this, this MP3 right now. That's really cool. And I looked at it and I said, is this making me money? So is the collective tropical MBA universe voting on us with, our, with their wallets? Because if it's valuable enough... They should be paying us for it, right? Or for something. Right. Obviously, the podcast is free, but we've got a bunch of other stuff you can is pay for. Is it fun? And is it fun is a great question, right. too. So I asked myself, is the process repeatable? Yes. Is it fun? That's a great question. And can I teach somebody else the process? I answered all those questions, and that's why we took down the podcast for the last few months. And we just, I mean, we were doing a lot of customer service and Tropical MBA, and then, um, you know, we had to hire somebody and bring Taylor into the, so congratulations. I don't know whether to congratulate him or to <laughs> whatever, but thanks, Taylor, for joining our team. And uh, Alyssa and Taylor are working together in Chiang Mai this week. It should be good. As these things become more transparent, I think, with, uh, you know, technology and websites, I was just reading today, I can't remember his uh, name, but he's, I think he's the CTO of uh, some some Twitter product, but he hired a virtual assistant and some service that's twenty five dollars a month uh, to buy his plane tickets. He's he's kind of like us in that he'll wait till the last minute a lot of times to buy his plane tickets, spend seven hundred dollars when he could have spent two hundred. Yeah, it's because he's busy, right? He doesn't like to multitask. It's like I'm going to be one hundred percent focused on buying this ticket um, <clears throat> and stuff like that gets pushed out of the way. So I think as he's like uh, as it becomes easier, I think to hire people for for things like this, I think we're going to see a lot more of this going on. And for us, it was like it was very hard uh, back in the day to, to try and hire people to do things like edit the podcast. It's very easy today. You just go out on some of these uh, websites like eDance. Elance, Odesk, uh, this this site for personal assistance, very easy. Well, and of course, for us, it's the, the hardest part is that the, the hardest part about hiring is having a cash flow. And now that cash flow seems to be springing up a little faster, and it's just a it's a size thing, right? It's a it's a magnitude of what we're doing is getting broader, and I think we need to be a little bit more conscientious about not being the freaking heroes in our right. own business. Uh, and the critical distinction here, and the biggest mistake people make when they hire, is they hire people to go uh, drill the well rather than manage the well. Right. So you do the drilling as the entrepreneur, hire for the managing. By the way, if you guys stick around for this episode, what we're going to talk about today is five important distortions about successful internet ventures. Lots of BS notions being put out by A, corporate America, and B, startup America. Right. And that is not what this program is about. We are not startup guys. We're not looking for venture capital. I'm looking for a venture capital bank account, not a venture capital loan. Right. And and we're not corporate guys, obviously. So we're going to talk about five important distortions in this episode but first a couple more news items because it's been a while i think it's been almost three months since we updated wow yeah i bought an iphone 5 just gonna put that out there i saw that it's it's a social signal you know one of our buddies this weekend was wearing a rolex right and uh 
I just pulled out my phone and was like, yeah, I'm just texting somebody. <laughs> and he said, this thing almost costs as much as a Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing. It's interesting because it's the first time in Asia I have had 3G. And this might seem old school to some people. Yeah, welcome to the party, buddy. I know. I have 3G tethering anywhere. We were just at Starbucks, which does not allow Wi-Fi access in, in here in Thailand. And so we were rocking a whole morning's worth of work. And here the internet is pay as you go. And it's like 12 bucks a month for unlimited access. Yeah. It's amazing too. Yeah, you're using these iPhones and stuff. How like web, uh, mobile, everything is based, and how like app based everything is. I yeah. mean, when was the last time you were on a browser on your iPhone? I mean, it's just like you just don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah, it's it, <clears throat> to me it's fascinating too because, uh, uh what was I gonna say about the iPhone? I forget what's fascinating. I don't know. It's remember. expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> it's unlocked. Um, anyway, I'm very happy about that. So travel plans. A lot of people are wondering where we're at. And I think this is program is a good format to sort of let people know what's going on with that. What are your travel plans, brother? Um, I, I'm here in Bangkok right now. I'm headed back to the States for a couple of weeks and then uh, probably headed back to Asia uh, after that. And what's so. back to Asia mean? Uh, that's a good question. So it's kind of contingent on uh, what we find in Chiang Mai. Yeah. I think Chiang Mai is going to be an interesting experiment for us. Basically what we're looking for. So Dan and I, the last couple of months, uh, I think we're both really homesick for Bali. I think Bali is an awesome place. It's kind of like the best of, of all worlds, the Western world uh, and the Eastern world kind of mixed together. Huge, huge over, oversimplification. Yes, yeah. I agree though. I mean, it's hard not to agree with you. Uh, so Bali is awesome. The problem is the internet. And so, you know, we look at our business and I think uh, we sit down and we think, oh, I, I want to get on the phone with all these awesome people. I want to do all these interviews. I want to make all these connections. And we want to call that about, international tax guy. Yeah. He's going to get called. Exactly. But we don't want to call him and be like, hey. And, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and so that's the problem with Bali, right? Yeah. Is that the internet still isn't there. And I think, man, if the internet was there, we'd be there in a second. But it isn't. So we're going to go check out Chiang Mai. Yeah. Well, so we're going to go do a little spinning, spinning around and see what happens, man. Uh, I'm actually going to be spending November finishing my book, not writing my book. I already have 50,000 words, so I'm just going to polish it off. It's like a, it's going to suck. That's what I decided. You know, my favorite author, Hemingway, wrote a lot of bad books. Yeah. So I figure I can at least write one. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Pressfield yeah, wrote buddy. a lot of bad stuff. Did he? Well, according to him. <laughs> <laughs> I never read it, but I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to publish my first bad book. And I'm looking forward to that, just getting that done. And part of our marketing plan actually next year is pretty cool. Our marketing plan, the more bigger our business gets, the simpler it gets. It's like steering an aircraft carrier, you know? Like you can't make right. too many judgments. At the beginning of your business, you kind of do everything, right? You polish the floor, you run around, you pick up, you, you quote customers, you do this. But as your business gets bigger, and I think this is something that James Shramko was helping us out with a little bit is – you know, you have to be more deliberate and you have to simplify things. Simple things like, you know how big brands have really simple messages so that a lot of people can understand them? Right. Like, like just do it, but you can't get away with that if you're like a small business. That's owner. right. Because everybody's like, what the fuck does just do it mean? You right. Know? But as Nike, you're like, yeah, just, just do, do it. it. But, but it's the same thing with like um, guiding the culture of your company and the actions of your employees and stuff like that too. I mean, the vision for everybody has to get simpler so that like a broad range of people can implement things. And I found that for me, like things are getting simpler as we get larger and you have to be more simple and more deliberate because you can't bench press the whole thing, right? 
Basically, yeah. I mean, our employees give us shit for this all the time. So in the beginning of our business, it was like, quote everything, do everything. You know, you're basically in informa- information gathering mode. And then as you start to like develop your cash flows and things like that, you start to see where the real money is. You got to you gotta rein it back in a little bit. You can't just be like doing everything anymore. Yeah. And uh, we get shit for that all the time because like, oh, I don't want to like, I don't want to let go of that $5,000 stream of revenue. But if you don't, then you're not going to jump on, you know, the much bigger opportunity. Yeah, pruning the rose bush is tough, man. Speaking of roses, DCBKK. Can we just take a little bit of a segment to, to... I just saw a tweet on Twitter that said, you can't understand... You don't understand... And I don't think this may be true, but it's, it's kind of a nice compliment. You can, you don't understand the concept of tribe if you haven't been to an event like DCBKK. So here's the Your thing. Thoughts. Yeah, we had no idea how this was going to go down. I mean, we organized the event. We thought it would be be uh, cool to have an event for DC or's exclusive event. We didn't know who was going to show up. Uh, we booked a hotel in Bangkok. Turns out a fair amount of people showed up. I think uh, some, over 100 something to the opening party. And then at the conference itself, there was like 80 people. Uh, Simon Black spoke. Derek Sivers spoke. Yeah. Brendan Tully spoke. Uh, Chris Ducker spoke and a bunch of other really smart guys. We had a panel of SEOers. Um, so it was an amazing conference. If you have a second, go back through Twitter, uh, look at the hashtag DCBKK, get an idea of what people were talking about at the time. I couldn't be more happy. Hold up a second. This segment of the program, <clears throat> let me get some backing music. That's not very exciting. This segment of the program is brought to you by the Dynamite Circle. That's right, <laughs> dynamitecircle.com. It's only $97 for a quarter. And if you're a business owner, you can make that. I'm going to turn off this music. You can make that back in your first 30 minutes on the forum or your money back guaranteed. What's more is Ian, my partner in crime here, will personally help you grow. I'm going to overpromise your time. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Anyway, don't join the Dynamite Circle if you don't know it's for reals. All right, well, so here's the thing. Uh, Dynamite Circle BKK meetup. What what made it a success? Can you can you decode it yet? How do you throw? Part of it is talking to Rob Walling on the phone. Yeah, Rob Walling really helped out a lot. I think uh, what really made it a success. Really, <laughs> this is such a funny thing. That I was at the, I was at the party on Sunday night. Every night we had a party. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, here's a, here's a surprise. Everybody thought it was going to be a brew fest because Dan and Ian were involved. Yeah. It actually didn't turn out to be so much of a brew fest. I Some mean, people, all... well, they got their outsies. They they, yeah. they snuck out. They got their... But uh, one guy, I said, well, what, what makes the, the DC uh, meetup a success? And he said, uh, what makes it a success is I can turn around and I know that like somebody right behind me is going to be awesome. Like You can just turn around and know that the guy behind you, I think his exact words were, this guy behind me, no matter who it is, they're not a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, except if, if one of us is standing yeah, behind exactly. you, of course. But I, you know, I think... I think that's right, and, and and it's also because people were coming from a community. So um, it wasn't like we were bringing in a bunch of these like luminaries. It was the luminaries within the community, with the leaders within the tribe that had already been demonstrated leaders. So when Ian Borders, who's a leader in our community, steps up to the mic, by the way, his first time speaking, my mine too, and yours too, and I loved his talk. And yeah. he steps up there and he says, "Look, I'm going to tell you guys stuff that I wouldn't really." just go around telling the people so try to keep it tight with the iphones yeah you know? that was a, that was actually a theme for the whole conference absolutely like you look at a guy like chris ducker um you know chris ducker is the polished ceo of a 300 plus person company but he's a dynamite circle community leader and so when he comes and talks to that group 
really lets his guard down. Same thing even with Derek Sivers. Derek came and really enjoyed being in a com- community of other entrepreneurs, not a bunch of wannabes. Right. These are people, and it, I mean, look, everybody's a wannabe of something. But I mean, I think if you're in Bangkok, you flew to this event. You're already in the forum contributing. You've already, you know, you've opted in. You've made some sacrifice to be there. Right. And it's not a bunch of people looking to buy the run of the back of the room and buy the $2,000 platinum course. Yeah. Nobody was sitting there with CDs. (laughs) (laughs) So So really great event. I think uh, we got really lucky with the Aloft in Bangkok. I think next year, uh, I think we're going to do it next year, right? Yeah. Okay, so next year, <laughs> I, I, I guess, yeah. yeah, I think we might have outgrown the Aloft, so I'll have to find a, a, a comparable uh, space, but it was really special, man. Yeah. Had a great time. All right, well, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, as Jay-Z once said <laughs> to, uh, to everybody who came. I mean, it was just heartwarming. It was like, it was just, just awesome. I, some people at the after party were like, what's wrong with you, you know? And I was like kind of in a daze. My brains were on the wall the whole time. I just couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't, I wasn't ready to just be all out crazy about it. Like it felt kind of wrong to be too celebratory because I was just like in awe yeah. of the whole thing. And I wanted to make sure that the next time we just work harder. Yeah. I felt like if anything, it's like there's an implicit challenge in having such an amazing weekend, which is that what you're doing is working, but... You're just getting started, so don't celebrate too soon. All right. So uh, we got a question from Shana or Shina. Uh, Not sure how to pronounce it. Got a question for you. A lot of people talk about unique selling propositions. I'm going to put you on the spot here because you haven't heard about this. Okay. So having your uh, website sort of stand out from the rest. uh, But I want to go look at your own website. Okay. Moderncatdesigns.com. Ooh. Yeah. I, I went to go look at your stuff. And it doesn't have a super prominent angle. Interesting. The products are attractive, well-designed, well-presented, but not really super niche and specific, like cat furniture for middle-aged female executives or cat furniture for sci-fi fans. So Shina says, what's your take, man? Should beginning entrepreneurs make a major effort to uniquely differentiate their brands or laser target their niches? Or does marketing, hustle, good service, and a solid product mean customer needs will eventually win a following? Hmm. Even if it's not particularly unique what do you guys say I well got thoughts about this you got a lot of thoughts about this well i'll tell you exactly what's going on with modern cat designs and then i'd like to hear your thoughts on this perfect so basically uh modern cat designs i feel like hasn't got the attention um not necessarily that it doesn't deserve because basically the reason it hasn't gotten a lot of attention from us the last couple of years is because we're focused on bigger businesses but it is a fun business i think it's a fun business for us and it's a fun business for our designers they really like working on this stuff we reserve the right to come out with an awesome product yeah exactly and so that's basically what modern cat designs So when we first started Modern Cat Designs, I feel like we had a little bit more focus. And our main focus at Modern Cat Designs was to design cat furniture that fits into the modern home without looking like cat furniture. And so that was a real opportunity for us. And so I feel like... um, I feel like that message doesn't come through as strong anymore um, in, in our products, but that, that was kind of our initial. Let me cut you off. This is a big business red flag. I'm actually going to write a blog post yeah. about this. Is When we started Modern Cat Designs, we were like, look, there's a lot of people out there doing boutique cat furniture, but and here's the red flag. But all of them look like crap. Exactly. What if there was a branded approach? So like that, Shina, that was our differentiator at the beginning. We were wrong. That's a yeah. bad differentiator. So the product that's doing really well on there is the litter hider okay correct and the reason that we don't own like 
uh, fancylitterhiders.com, China is just an investment thing at this point. And because a lot of our sales are coming through third parties. So what we've done is we've empowered online retailers like Costco and Wayfair, Wayfair and people like this. The... Uh, opportunity to sell a good high margin product from us. Right. So we're not having to make a lot of direct sales off of this website, which is a good thing for us. Um, and the, the reason that that product has been so successful is it's not, hey, look at this cool looking thing. It's, hey, you've got a problem, which is you got litter all over your, your floor and you want to solve that. And uh, this is a particular problem. So so I guess my, my two answers, uh, Shana, are number one, look where the money is. You know, Nobody is making money selling extraordinarily unique, silly, weird-looking pieces of cat furniture, except for a few companies. Right. And the the second thing is, look to solve a problem. That's the that's the cheap the cheap and fast and easy way to differentiate is solve a specific problem. So my answer, China. Do you need to be hyper niche and focused? Absolutely. Don't do what we do. Don't do what we do. Do yeah, what we exactly. say. <laughs> if you look at a lot of our companies, that's kind of the case. Don't do what we do. Do what we say. Case of the cobbler shoes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Shina, uh, t- to our credit, we actually use modern cat designs as an example of what not to do. Exactly. Uh, when you're developing your first product. Isn't that, isn't, that, uh, isn't that convenient? Yeah. Go to portablebarcompany.com and check out what you should do. All right. Thanks, Shina, for listening to the show and for asking us. A question, question. Okay, so what we got here? Let me see. All right, so let's talk about uh, small businesses versus startups versus corporate crusaders, okay? Because we're sort of in this new category that we're trying to define right now. I was talking with, with Tim Conley this morning right? about, you know, we're not really small business owners, right? We're not startup guys. We're not corporate guys. So what are we? Are we hyper agile small businesses? Are we internet entrepreneurs? Are we micro multinationals or lifestyle business guys or something? There's not really like sort of a clear, but I think, you know, the DCers and people who listen to this podcast kind of understand what we're on about. Right. Like we're not people who just want to make, you know, a hundred grand a year and call it a day necessarily. Although some of us, you know, want that. We want definitely our businesses to serve us and not the other way around. That's what I sort of think is the distinction between small business guys. Small business guys are like, I got a bakery, man. I got to do what the bakery says, right? Right. You, you see small business guys, they're going gray early, right? These, right. these guys who, are, who are, are having a rough time with it because they're always on that balance between what is it that the business needs versus how much vacation do I want to get away from this right. crap? Whereas us, the, our community is more like, how can my business serve me? How can I get engaged in the products and niches that I'm most interested in? Right. And also, you know, what like we said at the beginning of the show, we want venture capital incomes, not venture capital loans. So a yeah. lot of people in our community, I mean, they're popping off half a million dollar years. That's not that's that's the 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 sort of outer range of what our group's doing. But there's a lot of people who are having these kinds of incomes, you know. <laughs> And I think a lot of these people, too, are agile as well. I, I like that word. I think that we all try to stay kind of agile in, and uh, kind of feed our our selfish desires, if you will, in terms of like what we want to work on and where we see ourselves in the short term and the long term. I think about I, I think about traditional small business owners in this way, um, like the guy that owns the, the bakery on the corner in New York, you know, like this guy had a fleeting uh a fleeting moment of entrepreneurialism or entrepreneurial uh, 
he had a he had an entrepreneurial moment basically when he started that bakery, and then he became a small business owner for the next twenty years. Right. And so I think that's that's part of the difference between like old school small business and maybe this new. Well, because you're entrenched, right? You're right. entrenched in such a low margin business that you can't repurpose the profits to go out and then become a real estate investor or whatever. You're stuck baking buns. Right. Okay. So we're going to talk about five distortions that come up about this because here's the issue: what we're what we just talked about is the exact opposite of good branding, which is it's very difficult. We find it difficult so far to talk about micro multinationals because we don't have a simple term where we're just like this is micro multinational or this is lifestyle business and this is what it is whereas TechCrunch has found a very nice way to talk about startups yeah. which have little to no relevance to what we're doing here and the same goes with corporate culture because that's just been around the block so number one distortion that we're seeing out there which is and the way um, basically there's there's a fundamental difference between who's making money and who's getting money and, and the thing about it is is that everybody the people that are getting money, they want to write about that because that's like a moment of marketing traction, right? right? And those people are willing to talk to press and press wants to talk about it. And that's why people like TechCrunch and GigaOM and all this kind of stuff, it's like disproportionately written about people who are getting money. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you took money five years ago and you're making a crap ton of money helping uh, plumbers find customers through a directory that you set up on you know, a unique PHP platform five years ago. Right. Are you writing to TechCrunch no. saying, hey, how about you talk about my business that's generating me $700,000 in personal income every year? Yeah. I mean, TechCrunch is a news outlet. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? And like, they need relevant news to stay relevant. You know? Well, TechCrunch- that's the whole thing. If, if I made seven hundred grand last year... That's not news. That's right. not something that I want anybody to know about. And so TechCrunch isn't going to write about it. But as an entrepreneur who's aspiring to create something like this, that's what you need to know about. And I think that's the important distortion. It's like everybody's talking about, oh, look who got acquired by this or look who got, got money from this person or whatever. That doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean much of anything unless you're an investor. Right. Right? Because that's, that's who that's serving. It's not serving the, the business entrepreneur who wants to make 700 grand a year. Because you know what's going to happen? When you have a VC, he's going to be like, you know what? You shouldn't make 500 grand a year. You should be thinking big, man, and have this exit because that's the only time it's going to make any sense. They don't want you peeling off half a million dollars from your business every year. Right. And this is, I don't think this is talking about the top 1%. I think this is talking about a 1%. Yeah. You know, and so I, I like framing it up that way too, because I, I don't think that these guys are rock stars. Speaking of which, uh, Jason Cohen of uh, WP Engine, he wrote. In, we use WP Engine, by the way. Yeah, we do. Affiliate link, drop it in there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> kind of cash flow this shit. Hired this kid, man. It's expensive. <laughs> Taylor, this episode better sound better sound syrupy and delicious, buddy. <laughs> I gotta I gotta remember my names. I don't remember his name, but he wrote an article basically slamming the uh, founder of Color, and he said, look. We can't we can't make these guys celebrities, and then he just went back through this guy's history. This guy who founded Color has a history of raising money and then his company's tanking. Yeah, and everybody looks at this guy like he's the greatest thing in the world, but really, you know, what what's the history of what's going on? So he went through that, and uh, yeah, if you're an investor, seems like an interesting guy to do business with. If if uh, if not, then yeah, I don't know. All right, we're getting long in the tooth here. Let's go on to number two. If you got a 30% stake in a small business, 
Good effing luck, buddy, with that. Have fun with that. You know, when you talk about startup scenes, everybody's got a little bit of equity for one thing or another. And I think a lot of people think that that's how it goes down in small business, right? It's like, yeah, you know, a smart person called me up, so I gave him 3% equity, and he sits on my board. And uh, uh, this, I bring the technology solution to the table, so I own 25% of this company. Well, good freaking luck in a company that's making $5 million a year. That's going to be a painful check to write for this person, right? Yeah, what's 3% of zero again? <laughs> well, That's usually like, how it happens. And, and, and so you're talking about the control issue. So how does that work? What are you own 30% of a small business? Yeah, if you're, a minor, if you're a minority share owner, you really don't have much control in your business. Yeah. Uh, we've been minority share owners before. It didn't work out well for us. No? And I, I think you got to find yourself in a position to really drive your product, drive your passion. And if you're a minority share owner, where are you at the end of the day on this stuff? You don't decide when, uh, you know, unless you have something written up, which you probably don't if you're a minority share owner. You don't decide when distributions get made, things like that. I mean, the company decides that. If you've got a board and like a clear liquidity event coming down the right, maybe, right? Right. But if you're in a small business and some guy has convinced you to take on a 30% equity share because of the work that you put in, you might be getting screwed. Yes. And in fact, the last three to five people that I can personally remember talking to in this situation, I was like, uh, this is going to be awkward. And, and it ended up, yeah, it didn't work out well. This and this is so something gut check, right? Just a gut check. I'm not saying that across the board having 25% control of a small business is a bad thing, but it's probably a bad thing. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear people's stories on this. If if you've got in uh, if you got a story about how it's worked out as a minority shareholder in a small business, please tell us. How does that work? All right, related point number four. Everybody's always asking us, you guys balling, why aren't you investing in companies? And I'll tell you why. This is number fourth distortion. It doesn't make sense to invest in lifestyle businesses, okay? Let's say, for example, that I bring somebody to my apartment and uh, show them the inner circle and when we sit around in robes and talk about how they're going to take it to the next level and lay out a business plan and we get on the phone right. every month for the next three years. First off, getting on the phone with this person for the next three years is probably not a good time investment for me. Right. Number two... Let's say it's a smashing success. And in lifestyle business terms, bootstrapping terms, that might mean uh, this person is making a smashing success, 200, 300 grand. I mean, say it's really good, right? 200 grand. 200 grand in three years, personal income. Now, imagine how long three years is, okay? Long time. Long time. Now, how much, I'm a high cost investor, so I'm gonna demand 20% for everything that I've laid out for this person. Now, how much is that every year for the three, three years down the road, this person is writing me a $40,000 check. Yeah, close to that. That's I'm a, doing the math. That's a very painful, painful check to be writing. When it's like, where the fuck was Andrews on all this shit? Where was Andrews on the cold calls? Where was Andrews when I figured out how to not die uh, when our competitor took over the, the main spot? You know what I mean? Like It's like I wasn't there. Right. I was there in the robe at the beginning for two weeks. Yeah, that's why it makes sense to cut you a consulting check. Exactly. Like if you want to come to me and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you some advice or something like that. I don't even know if I'm qualified to give you advice. But yeah. if you want to pay me, uh, then it makes sense to pay somebody like that uh, as a consultant at the beginning of your business. Does it make sense to have them on retainer? Like you said, it gets yeah. really painful. Three years in, you're like, uh, I can't even remember what they told me and was it even relevant? I don't even know. Yeah, and we got guys like, you know, uh, guys like... 
a bunch of our friends have ended up just barging their way in, you know, and just saying, hey, I want to hang. I'm doing something legit. And it's not worth the 20% equity. I'm just not going to take it. I'm not I'm not going to be trailing you around five years now, now looking for $15,000 checks. That's right. I mean, it just doesn't sound fun. It just does not sound fun. Uh, speaking, and this is related, uh, I got this question at uh, DCBKK, and this is our number four point, and how partnerships work in small businesses versus in these corporate setups and versus in these startup setups. Someone asked me uh, kind of about the qualifications of a partner, right? And, you know, do they need to have this technical skill or this kind of thing? And I just said, look, if you're going to bootstrap a small business, it's going to be successful. It's going to take you five years. Right. And it's not going to work. We're talking about blood, sweat, tears every day for five years. This is going to be the main friggin' event, right? And if you, the, the fact that they know Python or whatever, first off, it's going to change. It's going to change in its relevance, and it's not going to friggin' matter. Right. Because what matters is showing up every day and hustling your ass off and communicating all that stuff. So here's my thing, and here's the distortion. It's not going to work unless you're friends. Right. You have to be friends if you're going to go to war for the next five years in a close quarters environment where there's not a lot of money to grease up everything. Now, here's the thing. If you're capitalized by a couple million bucks, right, you're already wearing cufflinks, and you got three people in this company – no big deal, man. Hey, let's have a board meeting every 30 days and drive away in our Mercedes. It's right. big deal. I already got a house paid off. You know what I mean? But if you're starting a small business and you're broke as fuck, like we got started, right. shit gets real. Shit gets personal. <laughs> like, I'm not very happy about your your, your fucking uh, apartment complex project in Minneapolis That's right, right. And you kind of got to, like you said, you got to be on the same trajectory. So when we met, we were both broke. And then we started the business. We're still broke. And broke. today we're still broke. So <laughs> it's just like, it's a common thread. So... But uh, like you said, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, you got to have the same trajectory. You got to have kind of the same goals. You know, if you want to invest all the money that the company's made, like you said, in an apartment complex, I want to reinvest it in the business. That's a fundamental problem that you're going to have in your business. So you got to understand, and this is really hard to do on day one in trying to anticipate uh, you know, four four years into it, but I think you kind of got to grow with the person, and and you gotta gotta have similar ideals about where you're going in the future. Fifth point: marketing distortions. I get a lot of people that write me emails and they're like, "Hey, I got this idea for this app." Okay, that's also a business red flag. <laughs> My business idea involves app within the first sentence. I'm I'm not very happy about that, just because I'm not an app guy. You know, right. that's not that's not how I roll. So anyway, I might be an app guy though in a few years. We should start a software company. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, someone writes me an email and they basically say, hey, look, I've got this business, but I, you know, I got to get all these people involved. It basically involves networked effect or critical mass, right? right. This is where you got to – you have the middle school dance – and you got to have enough boys and girls and play the right freaking... Uh, boys uh, to men song. you got to get boys to men just right at the right decibel level. And then enough people will dance in the middle. And boom, you got yourself a business. Just put on the Android marketplace. Don't and- dance too close, man. I remember those <laughs> days. you got to be careful. All right. So here's the thing. If you're going to start a business like this and you don't have a hugely uh, compelling NIV, networked, independent value network right. independent value that means there's a reason why people want to use your app your website your service or the why they want to talk to you on the phone or write you an email before you give them the partner the other element of the service so you have to have a reason why all the boys want to hang out in the cafeteria with boys to men blaring even if there's not any girls there if you don't have that in your business and you're a bootstrapper you're screwed if you're at, if you're at the point where you're asking me questions about this stuff 
you're screwed. You're okay. totally friggin' screwed. <laughs> you're absolutely screwed. You have to be smart to do this stuff. You have to be Ian Borders, Matt Bellamere. You have to be somebody who understands this crap. Don't start that way. Yeah. You need something that's higher friction. You need something that uh, first boy walks to the cafeteria, he's willing to drop you 300 bucks because the value is that big. And by the way, those guys didn't start like that either. It's absolutely. Been a long road. Those guys have been down the road a long time and now they're doing big stuff and again this is what we're, this is a distinction right yeah you, you see guys like uh these guys that are on TechCrunch doing big stuff and you think that's what it takes right, right. Well, and you think this is their first uh rodeo right i don't like to use that but you think this is their first rodeo right you think this is the first it would time be their first rodeo they yeah. jumped out of their corporate job they came up with an app and now they're millionaires not quite yeah well this is tropical talk radio from the tropical mba.com and there's palm trees outside we hope you enjoyed coming back uh friday afternoon happy hour to see us uh we're just so thankful that you've uh, stuck around with us despite you know our inconsistency yeah buddy let's uh let's wrap the show up and turn the ac back on i'm dying in here man all right guys see you next friday afternoon Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at tropicalmba.com. Get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you those 50 free podcast episodes. If you want to say, hey, check me out on Twitter, at Tropical MBA. We'll see you soon.